0: So, if you ever find an air pocket, splashy, splash, splash. um, (laughs) That was stupid. But (laughs) (laughs) thank you for that survival tip. Yeah. Good morning, good day, and good evening. And good night. Good night. Good night. Welcome to the Insomnia Report. Episode 16. Sweet 16, baby. Wow, we're almost legal adults. We can drive. Yeah, that's all we can do, though. Beep, beep. (laughs) I became so fat when I turned 16 because I stopped riding my bike to McDonald's and then drove to McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs)
1: You know what? That makes like I, I feel that because I used to walk to Target a yeah. lot and then I didn't have to. Right. It's like
0: <laughs> But you live so close to Target. Like yeah. yeah.
1: I it was always a thing. I don't know if it was a thing for you to
0: like to walk to Target. Like that was the thing to do and like yeah. just hang out at Target. Oh yeah, me and my neighbor Sarah would ride our bikes. Yeah. Cause... Do kids still do that? Do they still hang out at Target? They probably take their hoverboards. I don't know. <laughs> or whatever they probably I not i don't know like that was a big i mean not these days but i think like pre- everyone did it like freshman to sophomore year like that was the thing because there was like mm. nothing else to do you know
1: yeah um these days they're just making tiktok
0: dances in their house
1: we are in a pandemic we are yeah so but I, apart from that
0: Anyway, I don't anyway. know where I was going with this. <laughs> me neither. I will go ahead and light the candle. Um, what, What's up? What's up this week? What's kept you up or what's kept you... Mm. What's what's going on? What's, how's it hanging? What's kept me up? Um, for those of you who have listened to the past couple of episodes, we have the ongoing bet of the candle. Oh, yeah. um, I lost as of last week because I guessed it would die by the 15th episode elizabeth is going on 17th episode we're at 16 i don't know there there really doesn't look like there's a lot left
1: you're right we might have to split a pint of ben and jerry's totally fine but that's okay it's a win-win
0: but we'll see we'll see
1: i guess what's been keeping me up is i found this reddit thread about um like people trying to speculate what happens after you die no,
0: that's terrible. Like, I'm, I'm
1: sorry for bringing it up. No, but no,
0: I think it's very interesting because I think about this a lot.
1: I think about it a lot and oftentimes it keeps me awake because I like get so freaked out. So, yeah, that's one thing that's kept me up at night. Thanks, thanks, internet. I feel like that's more of like a human condition type thing though. For sure. <sighs> I know. Otherwise, I – um. This isn't well one thing that I've been working on that's kind of keeping me up later than it should is I'm trying to reduce my Instagram or the number of people I follow on Instagram which was at 5700.
0: Oh my goodness. I know
1: and I unfollowed so many people yesterday that Instagram thought I was like some kind of bot or something and disabled all the functions on my Instagram. <laughs> Okay. So I'm still at about 5,200 when I'm working on it. Okay. All so right. I'm unfollowing... So I'm you,
0: you can do intervals of 400 before you're Yeah, apparently.
1: Flagged. Like I'm unfollowing all these influencers and it's actually really freeing.
0: That yeah. would be nice.
1: What about you? Hmm.
0: I've just been wasting so much time on like YouTube watching stupid videos. Like I can't even, I don't know how the algorithm got me hooked on things, but I will watch like highlight reels of like 16 and pregnant (laughs) (laughs) like the og moms like you know from back when they started to like where they are now like i'll just watch like you know they're like 20 minute long videos of like i guess like the highlights or i've been really into dallas cowboy cheerleaders making the team like this is something (laughs) i never thought i'd get into like the
1: auditions for the cheerleaders. yeah Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting.
0: Yeah, which <laughs> is like, I'm very. I don't know. It's it's just weird because before any of the pandemic happened or whatever, we did not watch any reality TV, and now I'm just like, oh my god, they let like say on the team, but they cut Cassandra. It's like <laughs> this has changed our lives forever. It's just so vulnerable. I don't know. Just have to trust the process. So anyway. Uh, today's episode is wildcard so. i'm so excited for this wow me i'm ready okay so we're gonna dive right in on may 26 of 2013 about 20 miles off the coast of Escorovos, nigeria you will find a tugboat called the jaskon four and its crew of 12 men okay The JASCON was one of three tugboats working to pull along a Chevron oil tanker, uh, and there are several oil rigs along the coast of Nigeria. So, between 4.30 to 5 a.m., the waters are pretty choppy on this day, and a rogue wave ended up overtaking the boat, causing it to capsize and sink 100 feet to the ocean floor. Okay. Was it tugging something at the time? It was tugging something at the time, so it. Sorry that, if I'm getting ahead of you. No, you're fine. It was it was tugging um one of the oil boats like back from the rig. Oh shit! So it, it was one of three boats tugging it back, and okay. a rogue wave, and it made the rope cut, and it caused it to capsize okay. and sink to the ocean floor. Now, one thing to note is, it's standard safety protocol that. On the boat, all cabin doors had to be locked uh, to work against being raided by pirates. So this was a safety protocol. So all the doors had to be locked in all the cabins when they weren't working. And because it was so early, none of the crewmen were out of their cabins yet. So eventually a deep sea dive team was brought in to salvage any of the victims of the accident and aboard the Lewick Toucan, a crew of six divers from a company called DCN, went to work.
1: What a horrible job.
0: I seriously, like... I can't imagine what that's like. I know. Like, I'm already afraid of the ocean. Yeah. I I don't know if I could go scuba diving. Like, I've been snorkeling, but I, I just... It, it stresses me out. Yeah. Um. So, of the dive team, they worked in intervals... Dive team two included Nico Van Heerden, Andre Erasmus, and Daryl Otrecht. And then there was a man named uh, Colby Wearit, who was... The divers had cameras on them, and Colby was watching, like, on the ship, like, helping to guide them. And he was watching through the camera that Nico was wearing. So... The crew had their work cut out for them, not only because the ship sank at the bottom and they had to go retrieve bodies, which is a lot of work. But the ship was upside down um, and the water was extremely murky and dark because it kind of like brought up like a bunch of sediment. So it was incredibly hard to see. That sounds so dangerous. Mm hmm. Because the doors were locked from the inside, as I had mentioned earlier, it took them an hour to break the doors open and to get inside the ship. Wow. Inside the boat, they immediately found four bodies, and then Nico went to explore the main cabins. Through the murky water, he saw a hand, so he reached out to it, thinking it was another corpse, when the hand grabbed back. Could you imagine? How just. My whole body, just <laughs> your face. <laughs> so one of the crew members survived. His name is Harrison O'Kenny. He su- he survived. He survived. How long was the boat underwater for? Let me tell you. Holy shit! So this is the story of Harrison O'Kenny. He worked on the Jascoon as the cook. So, again, seriously, I can't imagine, like, how terrifying Nico must have been, like, yeah. being, like, okay, like, I'm here to yeah. rescue bodies. So, we're going to go back to the morning of the 26th. I gave you that Uh-oh. little intro. little, oh, little teaser. thanks.
1: <laughs> I wonder, though, just, like, in that moment, how long it took his brain to be, to switch from, like, oh, my God, what the, what the heck, to, like, oh, this person is alive. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to save this person. Yep that would my brain probably would not have would made have myself
0: <laughs> I, <laughs> I would be like holy shit, i probably running. would have died Been like i'm here to re- like to retrieve <laughs> but okay. add another one <laughs> so we're going back to the morning of the 26th about 4:30 in the morning most of the crew is asleep as i mentioned earlier in the intro all the cabins are locked for safety reasons now the crew's cook harrison Woke up to use the bathroom, and I'm speculating when I say, I, my guess is he wakes up a little earlier because he has to prepare breakfast for the crew, or maybe he just had to use the bathroom. But either way, he got up, went to the bathroom. While he was in the bathroom, that's when the rogue wave hit. As the water started to rush in, he had to force the bathroom door open, but there was extreme pressure, which made it difficult And he was trying to get to the safety hatch, especially, you know, before it, like, descended too deep. uh, So they were trying to escape. He did manage to get the door open, but he, to his horror, he saw three of his crew members get swept away from the force of the water into the ocean. And in that moment, he knew that, like, they were gone. Oh, my God. Through the dark, he managed to find his way to another bathroom, and to his amazement, he found an air pocket, which was about a four-square-foot area. Eventually, Harrison heard a banging noise, and he was pounding on the walls trying to signal like, hey, I'm here, but little did he know, it was the crew of the diving team dropping their anchor, so... Oh. The first go, the divers weren't prepared to go deep diving, so they could only stay at the ocean floor for small periods of time. So they decided to come back later because they all assumed there's no way there's any survivors. Yeah. Akeni then decided to move locations, so he felt his way through the dark ship and found the engineer's cabin where, he, to his luck, he found a larger air pocket. Oh, my God. And he had no idea that was there. He had no idea that was there. He – and also, it's pitch black. Like, he's at the bottom of the ocean. None of the lights are working. He can't see anything.
1: That's horrifying. hmm Oh, my God.
0: So, O'Kenney was just in his boxers at the time because in May in Nigeria, the temperatures are warm. So, you know, when he went to bed, it was, like, 80 degrees. So, obviously – but now he's at the bottom of the, the ocean floor. So, he's at oh. – The water is much colder, and he's at risk of hypothermia. To his luck again, he found a mattress, and he also found other materials to help prop him up so he was out of the cold water. Oh, my God. He also found a bottle of (laughs) Coca-Cola. Someone was watching out for this man. blessed. Like, he has a guardian angel. Oh, my God. However, there's no food. There's no fresh water. He's in a cold room. There's limited oxygen, so things aren't really looking good, you know? It was pitch black. He felt incredibly alone, and here's some of the worst parts of it. I'm sorry. Ahead okay. Of time. Okay. I'm ready. He could he could smell the decay in bodies of his crew members. <gasps> Additionally, he could hear the sounds of predator fish eating at them because they've started to come in, and I don't know if it was sharks or barracudas uh, or what, no. but he could hear the, the sounds of like them being eaten and every sound was amplified because he was like in a metal boat, he was in the dark, he was in the water, so everything was like oh wow, extra awful and he can't see anything. He can't see anything and then eventually because he was in this water, the salt water started to eat away at his skin and tongue. Oh, he was a very religious man, so he, you know, was praying, he was thinking of his friends and family to help get through it and he told God, "Hey man," probably didn't say that, but he said, "God, <laughs> If I survive, I swear I will never go to sea again. I'm done. And I don't blame him. Oh my God. Yeah. As time passes, he again starts to hear hammering noises, which this time is actually the dive crew coming to open the door. So he also banged, but the divers couldn't hear them. I I guess I don't know how sound carries in water, but. Then O'Kinney saw a light go by and it was actually one of the divers, but it had passed. And they, like, completely passed over him, so he, like, kind of took a, a faith and, and went down to go after him. Uh-huh. And this is where the famous moment happens of, you know, the diver saw the hand and it grabbed him.
1: Oh, my God.
0: You can watch the footage on YouTube. I do not want to. I did. Uh-huh. It It's incredible. It's, like, really? I mean, because you see, like, the whole thing from them, like, coming in and then, like, the moment it happened and diver nico obviously had a mini freak attack like freak out and he's like oh my god he's alive and like you can hear like um colby the the man on the boat being like oh my god like (laughs) and they're all freaking out and obviously they weren't expecting it yeah colby you know tries to calm nico down and tell him to comfort harrison you know so he like pats him on the back or colby instructs nico like hey pat him on the back give him a thumbs up like he gave him a hot water bottle, and they were like, "Like, what the heck, man? Like, how how did this even happen?" So yeah, to everyone's surprise, he was alive, and they couldn't believe it. And some facts about being a diver is the maximum amount a diver can go down is 130 feet. 100, yeah, 130 feet down. So he was at 100 feet, and at 100 feet. Divers typically don't spend more than 20 minutes at a time. Now, for the size of the air pocket, it was estimated that there was enough oxygen to keep him alive for about 60 hours. There was also the risk of CO2 poisoning, which, Mm -hmm. according to life science, is deadly to humans at a concentration of 5%. However, because he was splashing around in the water... He was actually, like, picking up oxygen in the air, causing, like, the CO2 to be absorbed. So he was actually, like, extending it without knowing it. That's amazing. Another thing to worry about is decompression. So O'Kenny thought that he had been there for 12 hours. The reality is he had been there for over two days. Wow. Mm -hmm. According to BBC... Once the body is under that amount of pressure for so much time, nitrogen starts to enter the tissues, and if he were to descend directly to the surface, he would suffer from anything from cardiac arrest to paralysis to neurological damage or even death. Divers call this case the Benz. So the crew fitted um, him with an oxygen mask, and they took him to a dive-in bell where he was taken up to the surface. However, when he did return to the surface, he had to be in a decompression chamber for another two and a half days. Oh, wow. To, like, get everything back to normal. Overall, of the 12 members, there was only one survivor, They recovered 10 bodies and one of them was never found. They could Mm -hmm. never, the conditions were too dangerous for divers to keep continuing on. So that, you know, he was lost to the sea. Harrison did not go to the funerals of his crewmates because he had extreme survivor's guilt. He couldn't believe, like, they all died. He thought he was the only one trapped, like, down there. Um, He thought, like, some people could have gotten out, like, Um,
1: I don't blame him. That would be horrible.
0: Yeah. And he couldn't bear to think like what the families of like the crew members would think of him. So he could not go. Um, I read in one article that some jerk hole started speculating that he used black magic to save himself or something. And, um, you know, Nigerians are extremely religious and superstitious. Mm. So that wasn't cool. Since the accident, he has extreme PTSD and nightmares of the incident. His wife says that he'll be in bed and feel like the bed is sinking. Um, To this day, he has maintained his promise that he will never return to sea, and he is now a cook on solid ground, and he's planning on writing a book. Wow. And that is the story of Harrison O'Kenny that's incredible yeah
1: i hope he like gets the help that he needs too
0: yeah i i believe he is i this happened in 2013 but all of like the articles and everything i could find were like of that time so i don't know if he's been laying low um but yeah i he says that like his friends and family have like helped him a lot and he you know, he feels okay or he knows that, like, there's a reason that God, like, made him get through this, but. Yeah. Literally my worst nightmare. I can't even imagine. It's. Oh my God. Me neither. He is, like, the luckiest man. Like, unlucky with everything, but, like, the case of everything going right for him. Right. Wow. There you have it. Short, but Pretty empowering. Pretty powerful.
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna forget that one anytime soon. No.
0: So that has kept me up at night. Oh, that's gonna keep me up too.
1: Gosh, tell me something. Do you want to hear something else wild? I do. Okay, this does not take place in Nigeria. Okay, thanks for (laughs) framing that. Um, we all know that Florida. Oh no, is (laughs) a strange, strange place. um for our non-us listeners (laughs) or maybe if you are a us listener and you just don't know (laughs) florida (laughs) florida well no florida kind of has a reputation for being very wacky and like if you google florida man that's what i'm doing right now (laughs) it's a meme of sorts um because apparently in florida it's easier for journalists to obtain records of arrests and police reports so like these weird incidents are more widely um, spread, I guess. And so, like, one thing is if you Google Florida man plus your birthday and see what comes up, it it tends to be really
0: funny. Mine? I mean, mine have a few, but the first one is Florida man arrested at home while exfoliated. (laughs) (laughs) What was he
1: arrested for?
0: Uh. His skin was too good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, <clears throat> sarasota county sheriff deputies arrest two men in connection with an armed robbery deputies respond to a retail store up the 1300 block of blah 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 friday morning deputies interrupted a brandleton man this morning who was apparently exfoliated to arrest him for <laughs> <laughs> armed robbery <laughs> oh okay let's see what yours says
1: one I found is, well, I mean, okay, full disclosure, my birthday is July 4th, so they all have to do with that. Yeah. This one is Florida man arrested after playing National Anthem on July 4th. He was playing the National Anthem on electric guitar in front of his friend's house. Um, And then, I don't know, the police, it drew a very large crowd and then he got arrested. Or I found one where... A Florida man brings a 10-foot mechanical marijuana joint to a 4th of July parade. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um. Anyway, that's Florida <laughs> for you.
0: All right. I love it. It's, in a nutshell. I mean, that's it. In a nutshell, for sure. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Florida man dies in meth explosion after lighting farts on fire. Oh,
1: my God. That's horrible. <laughs> but also, what a way to go. <laughs> Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) Dude, really? Okay. Florida. Okay. So, was that your story (laughs) just Florida man? My
1: entire story is Florida man. No. I want to focus in on an especially strange town in the middle of the Florida panhandle called Vernon, Florida. So, Vernon is also known as Nub City for reasons I will explain. The population right now is about 690 people. So, tiny town, very tiny, and in the last census, about 30% of the residents were below the poverty line, so it's also relatively low income. Here is where it gets interesting. Okay. Okay. In the 1950s, someone, we don't know who, someone (laughs) in Vernon filed a loss of limb accident insurance claim and received a large sum of money. Was it an accident? Or was it intentional? No one knows for sure where this all began, but someone lost a limb and someone got an insurance payout and then someone else must have heard about it and thought, gee, that's a good idea to make a quick buck because (laughs) people started shooting off their limbs on purpose to collect the insurance payouts. (laughs) And this is why Vernon is known as Nub City. Good
0: night. (laughs) God, that's so terrible. (laughs) I hate people that, no, 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 not allowed. Go to your room. (laughs) Nub city.
1: Uh, Okay, here's what they did. Okay. They would take out multiple life insurance policies, and then days, or sometimes hours later, they would have some sort of terrible accident that required an insurance payout. One agent, um compiled a little list of some of his clients from the area we have a man who lost two limbs in an incident involving his tractor and a loaded rifle Oof. Mm. a man who maimed his foot while trying to protect named? his named no maimed <laughs> <laughs> I will call you Chuck Oh, <laughs> uh, if only he had done that instead <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he maimed his foot while trying to protect his chickens from what? I don't know. A gator. um, Another
0: Florida man. Who knows?
1: uh, Someone, a man with a gun who mistook his foot for a squirrel. Plausible story. <laughs> <laughs> and a man aiming for a hawk who accidentally shot off his hand instead. How do you okay, so happened? these are just like the stupid stories that people made up to try to tell like the insurance companies how they well they're not very good off their... their limbs, no, they're not most people use um guns to like shoot their limbs off, but a few went as far as to saw them off themselves. <gasps> I'm so sorry no. for that, no, um, no. like my God, people <laughs> what are you doing? God,
0: no, absolutely not. This is not like 140 hours or whatever that.
1: Oh, the zombie movie? No. Oh, the one?
0: got yeah, where they're stuck in the the rock. Yeah, can- James Franco. Yeah, yeah. I remember. haven't seen that one. I but either. I know I, it. I won't watch is that Thirty six the... hours? Maybe. I
1: don't. I don't know. I don't um, like watching people cut off
0: their limbs. On I don't either. I can't. I can't handle it. I don't have the stomach for. I think
1: about that sometimes. Like I do too.
0: Like what I would do if it came to.
1: Anyway, but <laughs> it's morbid.
0: Yes, it is. i I'm too queasy. Okay, yeah. go on. Okay. I'm sorry. It's okay.
1: By the end of the 1950s, the Florida Panhandle was the site of two-thirds of all loss-of-limb accident claims in the entire United States. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And around the same time, at least 50 of Vernon's 700 residents had joined the nub club. So they were missing a limb or more. There was an insurance official for Liberty National named Murray Armstrong. And this is a quote from him. He said, There was another man who took out insurance with 28 or 38 companies. He was a farmer and ordinarily drove around the farm in his stick shift pickup. The day of the accident... He drove his wife's automatic transmission car, and he lost his left foot. If he'd been driving his pickup, he'd have had to use that foot for the clutch. Convenient. Hmm. He also had a tourniquet. Tourniquet? He also had a tourniquet. A turnip. (laughs) And a turnip. (laughs) I've only got a turnip. In his pocket. When asked why he had it, he said snakes in case of snake bites. He'd taken out so much insurance, he was paying premiums that cost more than his, his income. He wasn't poor either, middle class. He collected more than a million dollars from all the companies. It was hard to make a jury believe a man would shoot off his foot. I
0: mean, fair,
1: like any sane person, but... Right. So a million bucks is a lot in yes. these cases. Um, most claims got payouts of around five to $10,000, which is still a lot of money. But over time, the claims increased in value as the residents um, became more daring in their accidents, I guess. Okay. There's a guy named John Joseph Healy, who was an insurance investigator for Continental National American Insurance Group. And he went to Vernon, Florida after the claims started hitting and exceeding $100,000 cuz like the insurance companies weren't stupid. They were like, right. okay, like something's going on here. Like mm-hmm. we know what you're doing, people. So, he said about Vernon, this is this is kind of, I don't know. He said Vernon's second largest occupation was watching hound dogs mating in the town square. Okay. Its largest was self-mutilation for monetary gain. Please move. Please. <laughs> he also said to sit or he wrote in a report To sit in your car on a sweltering summer evening on the main street of Nub City, watching anywhere from eight to a dozen cripples walking along the street, gives the place a ghoulish, eerie atmosphere. For sure. Yeah. Now, no one could ever prove that people were hurting themselves to get money. Hmm. Even though the insurance companies took many people to court for this, jurors... As I mentioned before, I just didn't believe that anyone would be able to shoot their own limbs off for money. So no one was ever convicted for anything mm-hmm. in this gigantic scam. So in the 60s, insurance premiums became so high that people stopped doing it mm-hmm. and most insurers eventually just stopped doing business in the Florida panhandle. Okay. Well, because they're like we like we can't all, afford this yeah. like this isn't. We know what's going on, and we don't want any part of it. <laughs> yeah. As mentioned, so this area was pretty low income. Um, its boat and railroad traffic declined over time, and they had a sawmill that closed that left a lot of people out of work. So to me, it's just as sad as it is bizarre. It makes me think about the desperate things people do for First, money. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine just casually shooting off my foot if the stakes weren't super high. Right. I don't know. Like, I don't know exactly the reasons why. I mean, obviously for money. I don't know how dire all of their situations were. That's a
0: good point. So
1: I don't know. Maybe some people didn't really need that much money and were just I want a new handbag. Hmm. I don't. Let me see your foot. Or maybe some people were like. Really, really... Desperate. Like, desperate. So I really... I have no idea. And that that is very intriguing yeah. to me. Filmmaker Errol Morris tried to make a documentary about this in oh, the 80s. Okay. About Neb City. He had this whole plan. He's like, I'm going to go there and talk to people and it's going to be the greatest documentary ever. But it didn't go quite as planned. Did they shoot his foot? <laughs> no, but that, that would be... That would, I <laughs> would make it come full circle <laughs> Okay, so here's a quote from him Okay, He said I knocked on the door of a double amputee Who was missing an arm and a leg On opposite sides of the body The preferred technique So that you could use a crutch His buff son-in-law, a marine Beat me up Oh, I decided whatever I was doing Was really, really stupid and dangerous So he was getting death threats From the residents And someone tried to hit his cinematographer With a truck Okay. So he pivoted topics a little bit and just focused mainly on the town's quirky residents. Okay. Including nice but, pivot. Including, but not limited to um a man who was obsessed with turkey hunting. He had like turkey feet all over his walls. Uh it was yeah, it's kinda of weird. Mm. I guess that's the point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um a man who likes to talk about turtles. Like I saw I like this... turtles. <laughs> Apparently, there's this kind of turtle called a d- gopher turtle okay. that is used to be a big trade item okay. because their shells used to be really valuable. Anyway, it's just a random fact I read in the Vernon Wikipedia page. But I saw this shot of this like old guy holding this turtle, and the turtle's just like <laughs> in his little <laughs> shell, and he's <laughs> um. He's talking about, because um, they're called gopher turtles, and this guy's like, this is a gopher right here. This This isn't a turtle. This is a gopher. And he, he calls it like a fine piece of meat for the dining table. Uh, I've heard of people eating turtles, so I guess it's not that weird. But right. It's just, a, I don't know. It's something about it. It's just strange. Yeah. He features a policeman who talks about how nothing ever happens in Vernon. I guess in the 80s, nothing did. Well, a little more on that later. Another person in the documentary talks about how God helped him buy a used van and a parcel of land. And my favorite is this elderly couple who has a jar of sand <laughs> that's two-thirds full. <laughs> and
0: like Jack Sparrow?
1: They explain Their heart <laughs> inside? They explain to the cameraman that this I can't even like. This is so weird. The sand is growing, and it will fill the jar in about two years' time. <laughs> Wait. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. All right. Well, I I yeah. I don't know. Um,
0: does sand work like that? I don't think it does. I, I don't. I don't I, think I, so. I'm gonna be a geologist. <laughs> I don't think. But so. I'm not sure.
1: So, the documentary called Vernon, Florida came out in 1991. Okay. I haven't watched it, but I think we should. You can rent it for $5.99 on Amazon
0: Prime. Sure. Why not? I don't... (laughs) Whatever.
1: And just one last thing that's totally unrelated to this. In June of 1984, Vernon City Council was deliberating firing its only police officer. And somehow a brawl broke out after the council president... Narvel armstrong like an upper middle-aged woman backhanded another woman in the head and just provoked this huge fight and i can show you that video too people are like pulling each other by the hair proving that in my opinion the town really did need a police officer after all
0: yeah i imagine it being like that scene in mean girls where regina george is just yeah. like watching things go That's down it okay and, spell.
1: and we only know this because there was an AP reporter who was t- in attendance for some reason. Okay, and it just broke out, and he had a camera. I forgot to mention that after that, the woman who started it was charged with, I think, aggregate uh, aggravated battery, but then ended up unopposed back on the city council in the following years. Okay. So, right. it's a strange place. I I'm sure it's changed since the 80s. I I mean, I don't know. I think we should check it out, though. Um, maybe. Sure, sure. Thanks yeah. to uh, Strange Soup, Mental Floss, and all oh, that's interesting for these fascinating facts about Vernon, Florida. All right. Nub City. I want. I want that on a T-shirt. <laughs> yes. I bet I can find one.
0: I'm sure you can. Hey. Well. Thank you all so much for listening to our Sweet Sixteen episode. <laughs> this concludes our fourth round of our our stories to our topic cycle. Our, yeah, like our season. Like, is it a se- season? I don't know. Season and four. Episode four. I don't know, man. Anyway, you you finished sixteen. Next week will be seventeen. Like that song from Sound of Music. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next week for Paranormal. Spooky. We would like to give credit to the artists that have helped us. Our music is composed by Colin Whitlish and music production is by Justin Toom. Cover art is by Erica Chase. I'm Margo. And I'm Elizabeth. Would you like to tell them where to find us?
1: You can follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Insomnia Report. If you'd like to submit a listener report... Or just say hi, or drop us a suggestion. Yeah, please. We know you have them. Submit them. woo You can do that at theinsomniareport at gmail.com.
0: Thank you again for listening. We really appreciate all of you being here, and we will see you next time. Good night. Stay sleepy. We are jumping back into the airwaves to breaking news. <laughs> the candle is done. So episode sixteen was the winner, so we will be splitting a pint of Ben and Jerry's delicious ice cream. This is not sponsored. This is not sponsored. <laughs> but if you're interested in sponsoring us, you can email us. At the insomnia report at gmail.com. Thank you. Good night.